the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org. Thanks. Got a wonderful in this half hour, we're going to be discussing what's going on with Israel COVID vaccine with the Israel consul from Chicago, who's serving the Midwest, Mr. Daniel Ashheim. We've had him on before, and it's to have him on again. We have lots of wonderful music speaking throughout the show. The portion of the week is the portion of the beginning of the book of Exodus. We've got a wonderful story at the end of a really, really, really significant story at the end. So want to stay tuned for that. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Hamas fired two rockets towards Ashkelon. The Iron Dome intercepted both of them. In return, the IAF blew up a Hamas terror tunnel, munitions factory, and military base. Israel fired rockets at Hezbollah's military base south of Damascus, killing one and injuring three. Rockets were also fired at bases along the Lebanese border. Israel is currently vaccinating at a rate of 150,000 people today, with more than 800,000 already vaccinated. COVID-19 rates are still high in the Holy Land. More than 5,000 people a day are testing positive. In related news, a riot broke out at the Leonardo Hotel in Jerusalem as people quarantined there decided to leave. Israel has changed its policy and now requires Israelis arriving from overseas to quarantine at home. 
a U.S. grand jury handed down an indictment against Omar Sheikh for acts of terrorism and the murder of Daniel Pearl. The indictment comes after the Paki Supreme Court ordered the release of the terrorist. This is interesting of note. The former residence of the U.S. ambassador to Israel in Tel Aviv sold to Sheldon Edelson for $67 million, the most expensive residential property in Israel. What do you get for a $67,000 house? $67,000 million house, wow. And finally, 176,000 babies were born in Israel in 2020. 74% are Jewish, 23% Arab, and 3% everybody else. More than 20,000 Jews from 70 countries immigrated in 2020 despite the corona restrictions. More than 34,000 came last year in 2019, which was Israel's largest one-year total immigration. And that's the news. Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands-on training at the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program. When you go to Specs, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Specs Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Specs Howard School at 248-358-9000. That's 248-358-9000. And visit them on the web at specshoward.edu. Specs Howard School of Broadcast Arts. This is where you start. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on the line author Sarah Blau, who's written a book called Thought Streams Meditations for Jewish Women. How are you today, Sarah? I'm good. Honored to be here. Thank God. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Okay. So thought streams, meditation. So thinking meditation. So a lot of people don't think that Jews meditate. So let's talk about that part first. What do you mean when you say meditations for Jewish women? Yeah, so it's interesting. Meditation has this connotation of Middle Eastern or separating from the world. But when I use the word meditation, um, what I use it to mean conscious thinking, to meditate on something. If you look at the translation on Google, even meditation is thinking about something at length, um, often used for religious purposes, even though not to the, you know, it's not always religious. But for me, meditation is instead of just letting my mind wander and get stuck in a negative loop or think of complaints or how things are not going well, I want to have something to meditate on. I want to have a one liner. I want to have something positive that will be on repeat. You know, which song is going to be on repeat? So that meditation is, you know, I'm walking to school on this crisp morning, the weather's beautiful, and I want my mind to be full of conscious thoughts that are going to inspire me and inject positivity into my life. Okay. So now, you're calling it Meditations for Women. Did you discount 50% of the world's population, Sarah? <laughs> meaning, meaning not for men? Um. You know, I'm sure men could read this book, and, and there will be a lot that can be inspiring to them. 
but I did feel that there was a need for um, a book specifically for women. And I actually based it a lot on talks that the Lubavitcher Rebbe spoke to women because I, as a woman, have a unique role. And I do find um, certain mitzvot that apply to me, and I wanted to find more meaning in them. And that's really where this book came from because when I got married, I was young, and I felt this, like, jolt. Here I was going from just being independent and doing what I wanted to having the responsibility of running the Jewish home. And a lot of it felt very physical, very mundane, you know, preparing food for Shabbat or, you know, a lot of it was very, very almost like unstimulating. And I said, I need to make sure that my mind is intellectually stimulated, that I'm inspired. And I found something very interesting that when I was just doing physical tasks, I craved the spirituality. And when I started learning the spirituality, it sent me right back into the physical tasks. Go to a mitzvah. Go cook food for someone who just had a baby, who's sick. And I found that it was a beautiful cycle because when I'm only stuck in the physicality, my soul and my mind misses the spirituality. And yet, when I meditate and I learn what spirituality and the Torah has to say, and what Judaism has to say, it sends me right back into doing another physical good deed, whether it's for my family or for anyone in the community or the people around me. Another mitzvah. Okay. Are you talking about, say, sort of like the concept of making or trying to make the mundane act an act of holiness? I'll give you for example. Like I have to tell myself when someone doesn't come to Jewish Ferndale who's supposed to be cleaning up and it's lazy, the, the uh, responsibility then falls on me and I have to clean up or then I'm thinking, well, I'm doing something spiritual and making sure that the Chabad house is clean. Is, it, is that what kind of what you're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. In other words, you know, one of the pieces in my book, um, it's on page 60. If you buy the book, Soft Streams, you can find it for yourself, where I found this, it, it highlighted this idea so beautifully for me, that it was about learning that all the missiles that we're doing are there to elevate the very physical tasks. And I'm just going to read these two lines. All humans need food, reproduction, and shelter. I, as a woman, can take those three basic needs and elevate them by introducing the three mitzvot of kosher, which elevates food, family purity, which elevates reproduction and intimacy, and Shabbat candles, which elevates a home. Now, it's not to say that I am the one who has to clean my house all day. I can hire help. My husband pitches in. That's not what it's about. It's, you know, it's not, um, you know, you have to, like you said. But if a situation comes up and you are, know that, yes. You know that the priests in the temple also had to clean up after their avoda, after their service in the temple. It is. It's, it's inserting a spiritual mission and purpose in our day-to-day lives. Okay. Our guest today is Sarah Blau, who's written a book called Thought Streams, Meditations for Jewish Women. Why did you think it was necessary, really, Sarah, to, to write this? There's lots of, in other words, there's lots of self-help books out there. So what's, what's the, uh, the angle or the, the hook that Thought Streams has? So there are lots of meditation books, but not a lot of Jewish meditation books. And I really felt that that was like a gap in the literature that I really wanted to fill because there's a lot of beautiful daily meditations on spirituality, on, 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 on growth, on working as a person, on, on, on you know, 
recovery. I mean, there's a lot of different topics. But I, as a Jewish woman in particular, wanted a book that had short little tidbits. You know, Chabad when they wrote up about this book, they said that the same way women carry things in their purse, you know, here's a book for them in their purse. I felt like I needed easy, short, and powerful and potent meditations. And that's what this book is about, going through different things, whether it's parenting, marriage, mental health, you know, Jewish women in the Bible, Jewish Chabad rabbis today, short and powerful meditations. You could read one a day. You could, you know, keep it on your nightstand. You could keep it in your purse. You could, wherever it is, I, as a Jewish woman, felt like I wanted something that I could take with me to inspire me on a day-to-day basis. Uh-huh. You mentioned um, meditations. You mentioned Chabad.org. And I'm reminded that Svi Freeman, who works for Chabad.org, wrote a book called 365 Meditations. Was any of his work uh, inspirational to you or gave you ideas for your meditations? Absolutely. In other words, not in a specific meditation, but the concept. I loved his book growing up. Absolutely. I adored it. Um, and I felt like there was room in a niche for women to have their own book. Um, it's actually my second book that I published. The first book that I published is called Close to You, and it's a similar concept, um, but it's based on one specific book, the Tanya, and it's a Jewish spiritual meditation book where it's also bite-sized, it's also small, and it's a similar idea that our mind is always working. And sometimes we get stuck, we're human, we get stuck thinking about our stresses and worries and how we're going to pay the mortgage, or if somebody offended us, or our hurts of resentment. And it is such a freeing ability to consciously insert and choose what I'm going to let my mind wander and think about, rather than let it meditate on its own and sit um, in something that's not helpful to me. So to me, this is about inspiring myself so that I can go ahead and do whatever it is as a Jewish woman, as a mother, as a wife, and in my work. You know, I work plenty too, thank God. And these messages keep me tethered, you know, the spiritual to the physical. Oh, okay. Thank you for clearing that. Okay. So in the book, there are, you could probably tell me exactly how many, I'm just looking at the table of contents without counting them, maybe 75 to 100 short ideas, meditations. The whole book itself is just over 200 pages long. How did you decide what needed, what subject needed to be covered, Sarah Blow? So, um, Basically, I followed along with a Hebrew book, which is a compilation of talks that the Lubavitcher Rebbe said to Jewish women throughout the years. So I definitely um, based it off of that. And I also based a lot on my life, what was going on. So, you know, the challenges that I was facing with raising my little kids or, you know, with parenting or with being happy, you know, I was looking for inspiration. So I definitely based it on the talk that the Rebbe said, um, but I connected it and really wanted to make it relevant to me. And I actually started writing it 10 years ago. Probably if I wrote, you know, version two today, I've evolved and my pieces will evolve because Torah is like a living, living teaching. Mm -hmm. So as my life changes and I have, you know, my kids get older. There's no section here on teenagers yet. You know what I mean? So as I grow, I wanted to find things to inspire me. 
Uh huh. Just you. You don't have teenagers yet. Just wait. So I was in a doctor's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was in a doctor's office this week, and they said, "Have you ever had any problems with mental illness?" And I said, "Yes. They're called teenagers." So. <laughs> so does that indicate that you have a volume two of thought streams in the uh, at least in the uh, the planning the outline stages, Sarah Sarah Blum? I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. You know, I'm constantly writing. Um, so I haven't started writing thoughts yet. I'm currently actually writing a book on prayer again, aimed and targeted for Jewish women. Um, and you know, I hope for that to come out and then we'll get back to thought streams. It's constantly, I look at it as, as my journey. I'm sharing my journey, my spiritual journey, because as you know, sometimes when we have so many responsibilities, we forget to nourish ourselves. And I know today people are very into self care and I find that, we also have to remember to have soul care. My soul is hungry. My soul is thirsty. I need to wake up and have meaning so that the rest of my day is infused with a passion. We need passionate Judaism. And women need it just as much as men. <laughs> and as a woman, I write from a uniquely female perspective. Um, it's interesting because my book, Close to You, which I wrote for women, somebody ordered for Bar Mitzvah, like 75 copies of it. So I hear that the men are reading it also. But... You know, I, I do still think it wise to have a target audience and to be transparent about my perspective. And then obviously anyone that reads from it can gain from it as well. Okay, interesting. So describe to us on the process. Um, how did you come up? How would, did you write a chapter just in general, like uh, from beginning mm -hmm. to like idea, seminal idea to finished chapter? Guide us through it, please, uh, Sarah. Okay. So first of all, like, how, did you, how did you choose that to write that? What was your inspiration that you suddenly said, I'm going to write about this? So, and then <laughs> go ahead. So first of all, I didn't write it chapter by chapter. I wrote it piece by piece, and then I organized the chapters, which means I, I didn't have the full map at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm very much like a piece by piece person. You know, I love to paint also. So I painted the olive bees, but each one of the olive bees or olive set. I painted over a course of a few years, and I painted each letter separately, and then I pieced it all together. So I did something similar here. I wrote piece by piece. I actually submitted them to Chabad.org as an individual mm -hmm. article before it was published as a book. Over 100, like you said, there's 102 pieces here. And article by article over a course of a few years. And then I sat down and organized it as a manuscript. And I said, oh, these are about parenting. These are about marriage. These are about, you know, Jewish women, et cetera. Really, um, I find that many of the projects I've done over the past few years, people are like, how do you find the time for it? I'm like, my mantra is bit by bit, one by one. I learn something small. I write about it. Mm -hmm. I submit it. And then after a few years, there's a vast collection, and I could publish it enough to be a book. Okay, understood. Would you call it basically you're, you're uh, expanding on your journaling, Sarah Blau? Yeah, you know, and it's interesting that you said that. Um, in a certain way, it is journaling. Yeah, because I'm sharing my personal processing of these holy words. I'm not just translating. This isn't word-for-word -word translation. This is process. Okay. Now, so you said that you uh, each article, 102 different 
chapters were submitted separately on Chabad.org. That means um, I don't want to tell people that they don't have to go write the book. They can just type in Sarah Blau into Chabad.org and all, <laughs> hundred, all 102 articles will appear. Is that probably true? But um, yeah. Yeah. books books are better to have, especially if you want to do it on like a Shabbos afternoon or you're like exactly. in, a super, you're in a supermarket and you got to quickly take this out of your pocket, your purse and whatever. But okay, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it even says it in the book. I am very open about that, but people enjoy having a compilation, a book. It also has a very pretty cover that I've gotten a lot of compliments on. People enjoy having it on their shelf or lying around. And believe it or not, we're on our screens enough. We're on our phones all day. Like, people just want a break from it sometimes. Like you said, whether it's Shabbos or during the week, there's nothing like a actual physical book with no distractions to sit and read and enjoy. Okay. Have you, on, and appearing on, there's a lot, of, there's a space on Chabad.org every time after every article, every page, there's a post your comments page. I'm sure that you have seen every comment posted about all 102 articles because that's human nature and that's like, like what everybody would do. Any comments stand out, Sarah Blau? Um, that's a great question. I actually get an email notification every time there's a comment. So I definitely see all of them because Chabad.org gives me the opportunity to respond. And sometimes people respond with questions. Sometimes people respond just with comments. Um, I found that people are very, very generous with sharing when a piece impacts them. And when I wrote about pregnancy loss and when I had a stillborn and how I learned how to, you know, learned that nothing is random and how it was more comforting for me to recognize that there is a God and there's a reason for it, even if I don't understand it, than thinking, oh, it's just random. Um, people share that it inspires them. People share it with each other, even not as a comment physically on Chabad.org. Countless people have emailed me separately telling me that when they went through something similar, they felt left alone because I wrote publicly about my pregnancy losses. So that feedback has been very, you know, very inspiring to me to keep writing. People want to hear real human experiences through the light and lens of Torah and Hasidus. Mm. Our guest again today is Sarah Blau. She's written a book called Thought Streams, Meditation for Jewish Women. Um, again, the word I want to emphasize on your subtitle, Jewish, well, probably about two-thirds of our listening audience is not Jewish. So could you please then make your book relative to the non-Jewish listening world of the Jewish Hour, please? Um, can you explain the question? I'm not sure I understand it, the question. Is, is thought streams relevant for non-Jews? Oh, is, is thought streams relevant for non-Jews? Thank you. So there are definitely many universal elements in it. Um, I think that some of them would be specific towards Jewish, just because, you know, someone who's, let's say, Torah observant, et cetera. Um, but there are many that are totally universal, universal themes about, you know, how our children are not impacted or influenced in a positive way when we yell at them, or the idea of accepting our spouses, even if they're imperfect. You know, I have a piece about that, a few pieces on marriage, a few pieces on mental health. And those are universal themes that when... Um, you know, let's say I'll, I'll touch on each separately, the idea of yelling at our kids. So obviously, all of us sometimes get triggered. But 
the idea of focusing and meditating on an intention of speaking quietly and gently, and each one of my children are precious and alone to me, as one of the pieces says, this is it's universal, that we think when we lose it and give a good lashing, that's when we're teaching the kid a lesson, when in fact, it's exactly the opposite, when we share stories and we are carefully articulate, they respect us more. Or like I mentioned, the marriage piece. We can easily get frustrated when we're living with someone and they're different from us. And the teachings of the Rebbe in that piece are like, well, no one's perfect. You know, the importance of accepting people fully, even with their flaws, that's a very universal meditation that will help anyone in any marriage. We always try to change other people. And we want, rather than putting in the work to accept people for who they are, we're busy trying to change other people and it doesn't even work. So I think that Jewish wisdom has a lot to teach people, all mankind, all these, you know, universal values that are really helpful for all of us that are in relationships or that are raising children. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I'm, I'm very sorry that you, uh, you mentioned before that you had a stillborn and I'm very sorry that you went through that and no one should ever know from such things. But to be able to write about it, tell me, how were you able to compose yourself to actually put it ink on paper? That's a good question. Um, I think the same way in art, you know, I'll go back to art for a second, an artist expresses their feelings through painting as a writer. I, that's how I process it, through writing. It helped me, too. I wasn't just writing it for the, uh, for the reader. Mm-hmm. I was writing it for myself. It, it, it helped to identify it and, and solidify it and, and really crystallize that despite the pain, there is space. And there's also hope. You know, thank God I have four adorable, healthy children, rambunctious boys, thank God, and I'm so grateful. And, you know, I, I the, the loss and the pain is, is part of the human experience, mm-hmm. and it's, it's important for us to learn how to apply spiritual principles even when things are hard and that's why i wrote i wrote to help me apply the spiritual principle even when i was going through such a hard time was there anything anybody said to you that was very helpful sarah blow um i can't remember something someone said to me as much as what i learned helping me so reading in print about you know how God makes no mistakes. And even if I don't understand why things have to happen, everything is, you know, preordained exactly. And really um, internalizing the concept that God, you know, God is a creator and and he he doesn't make any mistakes, you know. I think that really comforted me and helped me. And again, you know, when you read the book, you might get this, vision of like this idealistic, unrealistic, but it's really the exact opposite. As messy as humans are, there's so much potential for us to overcome it and grow and be really big and be really great. And I, and I think, I believe God appreciates that. God appreciates when our very human selves who struggle with all sorts of challenges, right? We struggle with bad moods and we struggle with anxiety and we struggle. And, and yet when our psyche can be elevated, right? When our, we can, you know, help our fears by believing in God and trusting. I really think that brings God joy. I think it's helpful to us. I think it's, um, it's not unrealistic 
it's it's so beautiful when a messy real human tries to bring God down to this earth, to bring God into their very human experience. And and I think God made us. He knows. He knows that we're human, you know? And he so appreciates um when we can take our very human experiences and elevate them and, and make them holy. Okay, that's that's really wonderful. You you've written the book Thought Streams: Meditation for Jewish Women. What would you consider it to be, or what would it take that you would say this book is a success? You know, as with everything in life, I believe my job is to do the work, and God's job, you know, the results are God's department which means the success for me is that I did it. I put myself out there, the sweat, the tears, the fundraising, um, and the results are in God's department. And I've already gotten so many heartfelt messages from women that it helped them at the right moment. They enjoyed it. They, you know, and this is, and this is just the beginning. It was literally just released a few weeks ago. So to me, even, even if one person would be inspired, it'd be worth it. But thank God I've already gotten feedback from multiple people, and I hope that more and more people could pick it up, and I hope that I can hear from more women that this book really touched them and inspired them and elevated them. Wonderful. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Again, our guest today has been Sarah Blau. The book is Thoughts, Dreams, Meditations for Jewish Women. It is an Ezra Press imprint available on Amazon and EzraPrince.com. I want to thank you so much, Sarah, and uh, please keep us apprised of your future works. Okay, will do. Nice to be here today. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want to share? Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Shulfman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. I hope you're healthy. Up next is a song by a composer, a Jewish composer, modern Jewish composer, who I have not been thrilled with in the past, and I've very rarely played many of his songs because I just thought they. No, I'm not going to do that to my my listeners. But this one actually really works. This is Joey Nussbaum. The song is called Mika Amcha Yisrael, Who is Like Your People Israel. And he wrote it after visiting one of the concentration camps, I'm not sure if it was Auschwitz or Birkenau, and was just so inspired. And the tune came to his head, and the words like came, Who Words Like Your People Israel. 
And he realized that he needed somebody to help balance it out. So he asked Benny Friedman to come and do it. And so this is Joey Nussbaum, Benny Friedman, Mika Amcha Yisrael. Let me know if you like it. Assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. 
Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next for your listening pleasure, this is Ellie Sweebell, who's been around forever. I think it was a group, was a trio, was something like Sharf, something in Sweebell. That's that's him. Uh, they were playing in the 70s. So this is on, it's called Yaga, which Yaga means we'll get there. So let's get there. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? 
Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shulfinman, are you listening to the Jewish Hour? we got time for one more song. This group, it's a brand new group, first record. The group is called the Yala Ensemble. And the song is called Yala Yala which on the street in Israel kind of means like, hey, 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 hey. So let's listen to it.
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. It's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Zero Shower. We're in the portion of Shmos, which is the beginning of the book of Exodus. The word Shmos means names. And it's called that because the beginning verse says, these are the names of the children of Jacob who went down to Egypt. And it lists there the 12 sons of Jacob. We have also, somebody else gets a name in this week's portion. And that would be Moses, or in Hebrew, Moshe. As the story goes, Moshe was, when he was three months old, was put into a basket, put into a Nile, found by Pharaoh's daughter, pulled out of the river. She takes a look at him and she names him Moshe, which means from the river Moshe, Thihu, I pulled him out. So the kid's three years old, three months old already. Didn't have a name? He had a name. And in fact, in one of the Medrashim, Yalkut Shemoni. It says that Moses had 10 names. Okay. Miriam called it Yered because she knows she's going to have to go down to the river and watch him. He was also called Avigdor, master of the fence. That was the name that his grandfather, Kahas, called him because. He was the fenced in that Pharaoh's decree against having more kids. He was also called Chaver, which means friend. Okay. He was also called Avi Soho, the father of seers, because he was the greater prop, greatest prophet. He was called Yakusil which means the hope of God, which is the name that his mother gave him. He was also called Avi Zanoah, master of rejection, which is the name his brother gave him because his father had rejected, or their father had rejected their mother. They got divorced, but they probably got, they got back together again. And so we call him Avi Zanoah. Okay, he's called Tuvia, which means the goodness of God, enough said. People who knew that he was around called him Shmaya, which means he listens to God. That they saw that because of him, God would listen to their prayers. He's called Ben Avitar, which means the son of pardon, that he was going to get them off the hook for worshiping the golden golden calf. And he was also called Levi. That's like simple because he was from the tribe of Levi. But if you'll ask the 
Joe Average in the Street, who was the leader of the Jewish people at the time of the giving of the Torah, the Exodus of Egypt, everybody's going to go, Moses. So what is the significance then of all the other names that his parents gave him, the nicknames that his siblings gave him, something that his grandfather, who was no slouch, decided to give him. We go by the name Pharaoh's daughter. So it's talked about in Hasidus, taken from and quoting the Kabbalah, that Mayim refers to wisdom, and that Moses' soul was a direct derivative of God's wisdom. Most souls go through processing, especially in this generation. What does the processing do? It makes the soul more relatable to the physical world. But in the same time, makes the soul less relatable to spirituality. Moses' soul, no processing, straight, right down. As we say that it, at the, in the beginning of the, the portion, it says that this woman had a baby. She saw the baby was good. What? All babies are good. In fact, every baby's like the cutest baby ever born. Just ask their moms and for sure ask their grandparents. But the commentaries say that when did we have in the Bible before the expression that it, and it was good? The first day of creation when God created light. And God saw the light and said, the light's good. So we see from this that we make point of comparison that when Moses was born, the house was filled with light because his body just didn't contain the, the intensity of his soul. What has this got to do with us? We know that they, uh, the Bible is not a book of Jewish trivia. And now you know if you're playing Jewish trivial pursuit and someone asks you, how many names did Moses have? You could say 11. I'm not going to ask you to repeat all 11 of them. But if you want to, you could. The important thing here is that Moses had a direct, one-on-one, -on -one, personal, essential connection to God. We've also mentioned many times that every person, every nation that's mentioned in the Bible is actually referring to some character trait inherent in each and every one of us. So everyone has their own little personal Moshe. And the first Lubavitcher Rebbe spends an entire chapter in in his Magnus Opum Natanya, about this personal Moses, and says that this is the spark of our belief the re that relates our essence to God's essence. So we learn from this that, yes, that's the most important part. But there's other things also. We have to be like one who goes down 
and we have master of rejection and listening to God and son of pardon and levy, which means a connection, et cetera, et cetera. All those things are also very important. We have to be holistic. We're going to have to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. We got an awesome story. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Would you like to get in touch with me the best way? RabbiFinman.com. Go to my website, R-A-B-B-I-F-I-N-M-A-N.com. And right there is a way to contact me. Very easy. We make life easy. That's what we're trying to do. And you can send me any question, comment, criticism, anything on your mind at all. And uh, that's fine. I answer all fan mail by myself. There's also archived editions of the show going back some four years. There's also other ways in which we present Judaism in an entertaining and informative way, matter. And there's also the very important donations page. It's a new year, new beginning. We're starting over again. We thank God we're able to pay December. And with the help of the Almighty, we'll be able to pay January. And that is up to you. So we know it's like, okay, it's a new fiscal year. And it's like, it's not going to count on your 2020 taxes, but it's 2021. It's a new thing. It's a good thing. It's a way to start off the year. So let's start off the year. Go to rabbifinman.com. Click on the donations page, choose a, day, a donation that you'd like to give, or you could hit other and enter any number. There's lots of numbers in the, out there in the universe. You can even make it a monthly thing if you have PayPal. And that way it happens and you don't even have to think about it. Quick, no fuss, no muss, no bother. Again, we want to make things easy for you. You've been listening so long. We're up to past 50 minutes of the show. So... You've enjoyed it. You've listened before, most likely. It it takes a lot of resources to keep this radio program on air. Now, 25 years we're doing this, and every month we've made the same pledge. And I'll make this pledge, I'll make this promise, that if we cover our budget for January before the end of the month, I don't do this. And I'll tell a longer story. And you get to get to hear more about the story rather than me kvetch about how much you should <laughs> do the right thing and, and, and to help support the radio. If you do not like internet giving and putting your credit card out there on the very highly encrypted website, 
I can understand. So drop your donation of any amount to the Jewish Hour. 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. This story involves somebody known as the B'nai Yisachar. That was the name of the book that he wrote. It's a whole story why he called his book the B'nai Yisachar, since his name was not Yisachar. His name was Svi Elimelech, and he lived in the city of Dinov, which is located many, many miles east of Gross Point Farms. He was on his deathbed. And in a, a state of total unconsciousness, surrounded by his followers. His breathing was very shallow and uh, people were saying prayers and they really thought this was gonna be it, but they were hoping that maybe he would wake up and, and give some last words to his students. Suddenly he woke up he, and he looked around and he said, Shmuel, come here. So there's this little person, they never, nobody knew who this was, little guy, middle-aged, gets approaches the bed, and it's and he says, What do you need? And he said, Rabbi, the price of wool has dropped. What should I do? And he said, the price of wool will rise next year. Be patient. And he closed his eyes. And then shortly thereafter, he passed away. Now, this raised all kinds of eyebrows. What kind, maybe, who is this Shmuel? He disappeared right after he got the answer and no one knew who he was. And he wasn't, uh, maybe he was one of the 36 hidden righteous people of the world. And what does it mean wool? And what does it mean price dropped and be patient and price. This is, this is where the real greatness of a Rebbe comes in. Listen to this. His son, I believe his name was David, David of Dinov, the son of the Bnei Yisachar said, no, you got it wrong. Now you see my father's true greatness. Who is this Shmuel? He's a businessman, not from the greatest of entrepreneurs, he would buy, you know, buy wholesale, sell retail. And he made a living. And once in a while, he'd have a problem with something. He'd come and ask my father for advice. My father would give him advice. And here it is. My father sensed in his last breaths that there was somebody who needed his help. And <laughs> wool is wool. The price of wool dropped, and my father told him, don't worry, you'll be able to pay your bills. Hold on, the price of wool will rise next year. That's what we're looking for in a leader, somebody who cares about everybody else. That's going to do it for the show. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care.
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.